my copy of the Bible, it says, Jesus talks to the Samaritan woman. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. When the Lord heard of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. Then a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his flocks and herds. Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, Give me this water so I won't be thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship that we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and now has come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that the Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, Why do you, what do you want? Why are you talking with her? Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? The Lord bless this reading. Good night tonight.
bear with me. In Matthew 9, verse 36, <clears throat> we read there, But when Jesus saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. They fainted because of lack of food or water. The people of the world often <clears throat> hunger and thirst for things which are not to satisfy their hungry souls. See, before a person comes into a spiritual relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, they're spiritually blind. They don't know what they want or what they need to satisfy them. Mick Jagger, and excuse me for mentioning the name, but Mick Jagger and the Rolling Stones, I'm sure a lot of us remember them, used to sing, I can't get no satisfaction. You know, we used to all sing that when we were younger. We thought it was great. But you know, these words are true. They were trying all the wrong things for true, lasting satisfaction. People say about Jesus Christ today, we will not have this man to rule over us. They think drink, drugs, sex, money are the answer to their problems. While realistically, drink, drugs, and a lot of these things are the problem. The majority of crimes committed are committed by people who are under the influence of drink or drugs. You know, also people today strive to get to the top of the ladder by any means at work and sports in all kinds of ways. But once they get to the top, what now? They are still searching for satisfaction, still feeling empty. There is a God-shaped void in every man and every woman and every young person that only God can fill. Last year we saw on our TV screens a young professional football manager who seemed to be at the top of his trade, who had everything, but he took his own life. You know, Solomon had it all. He had riches, fame, but found no satisfaction. He tried the waters of this world but still felt empty. All is vanity, he said. There is no meaning to life. People want a reason for getting up in the morning. <clears throat> there have been more suicides in Northern Ireland over the last 10 years than people who died in all the troubles that have ever gone on there over the last decades. decades. So what are they saying when they take their own lives all is vanity, all is vain, life for what? You know, only life with our Creator God has real meaning. Only obedience to God brings real, real lasting peace and joy. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. So now on to our passage that uh, Eileen so ably read for us. We read the story that Jesus goes through Samaria and he comes to this well and that would be a meeting place for, you know, for all the people in the region. A poor woman comes out all alone to draw water. We know she was poor because she had no servant to draw her water for her. 
So why was she there all alone? Because she has been ostracized by society. All the other women went together first thing in the morning, but she has to go alone and in danger, but all alone. She was known for her reputation. She's had five husbands, and now she is drawing water for number six, looking for happiness and fulfillment, but finding none. You know, God honors humble people who diligently go about their daily duties in the workplace, wherever they are. Christ was made known to humble shepherds as they watched their flocks. You know, some other people who met <coughs> had great encounters at the different wells. We think of Rebecca, we think of Rachel, Jethro's daughter, Isaac, Jacob, and Moses when they came to the wells of water. In verse 8 of the passage we read, it tells us the disciples had gone away to buy meat or food for them to eat. And Jesus is weary. He's just like the rest of us. He got, he got weary as well. So he sits down by the well. He had no fancy couch to sit on. He just sat where the well was. But he had a work to do. So did this happen by chance? As we said this morning, I do believe that, you know, nothing happens by chance. And especially in the life of the believer. I believe our, our lives are organized. Every person we meet is for a purpose. Every challenge we face is for a purpose. So Jesus is weary. He sits down, and along comes this woman. So what will you do if you're weary, if you're tired, and someone comes along and they need help? And so often we feel, feel like saying, oh, go away. But you know, Jesus is there available for each person who will come to him. You know, sometimes it's too easy to be like the Levite who passed by on the other side of the road. When we see a need, just to pass by and let it go, or drive past and let it go, someone else will take care of that. That's what the Levite did. He passed by as the man lay bleeding at the side of the road. Now, Jesus and the woman had this one-to-one -one conversation. She was a poor woman. She was a Samaritan. But Jesus asks her in verse 7, Can you give me a drink? So Jesus, with this question, opens up the dialogue with this woman. You know, often when we speak to people, a question asked can lead to different conversations going on. We need to take time to speak to people. You see, Jesus took time with this woman, even though she was a Samaritan, because the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. But Jesus took time to speak to her. We need to take time with people to get involved in a conversation. It is surprising how often something they say will give an opportunity to speak to them about their faith in God and about our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus says to her in verse 13, 
Whoever drinks of this water shall thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give shall never thirst again. My water will quench your every thirst. As I said already, there is a God-shaped void in every man and every woman that only God can fill, an empty space in the heart of the unsaved person. And I'm going to ask the question, is there anyone here tonight and you've got a void in your life? Turn to Jesus and he can fill your empty heart and your empty life. I want to quote this uh, Sankey's hymn to you. O Christ in thee my soul hath found, and found in thee alone, the peace, the joy I sought so long, the bliss till now unknown. Now none but Christ can satisfy, none other name for me. There's love and life and lasting joy, Lord Jesus, found in thee. I sighed for rest and happiness, I yearn for them, not thee. But while I passed my Savior by, his love laid hold on me. I tried the broken cisterns, Lord, e'en as I, sorry, but ah, the waters failed. E'en as I stooped to drink, they'd fled and mocked me as I wailed. The pleasures lost I sadly mourned, Till grace the sightless, oh, sorry, but never wept for thee. Till grace the sightless eyes received thy loveliness to see. Now none but Christ can satisfy, none other name for me. There's love and life and lasting joy, Lord Jesus, found in thee. So here is the woman in despair being found out by this righteous man, as she thinks. She doesn't realize who Jesus is. But nevertheless, in verse 15, she says to Jesus, Give me this water that I may thirst not. Has this ever happened to you? <clears throat> that you tell someone about Jesus, and immediately they say, Give me this Jesus. I want this thing that he's got. You know, this has happened to me before, and then you go, whoa, whoa, just, why are you doing this? But you know, God has prepared that person, and sometimes we stand back and we think, whoa, this is too quick. You know, something God calls people instantly, because he's prepared them, as I said this morning. There are other times when we have to be like a fisherman who throws the bait into the water, and the fish come and nibble, and they come back again, and then, but you know, God does the catching. God has prepared a people to be ready, so we need to be ready as well. You know, this is a continuation of this morning service. I'm sure you see lots of similarities, but this was just my thoughts. It is then Jesus tells her, Go and call your husband. And she replies, I have no husband. You've well said, Jesus said, because you've had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. Jesus knew all 
about her, and he knows all about everyone, each one of us here, and every person in this world tonight. He knows every need. The woman says to him, Sir, I perceive thou art a prophet. So then we read in verse 29, the woman goes into the city. She leaves her water pots and she goes just the same way the first disciples left their fishing nets, left their boats and followed Jesus. So she goes and she says to the men, and some commentators think she spoke to the aldermen of the city, the men in authority. You know, I wonder, did she go and speak to her husbands, the five husbands she had and the ones she had? That's my thoughts. But you know, the thing is, they went out of the city and they came to Jesus. You know, there is no one too high or too low to tell about the Lord Jesus Christ. The woman went and witnessed for Jesus. Back to my golfing stories again. A few months ago, we were playing in a mixed open, Anna, myself, in Inverurie. And we went around with this couple who we'd never met before. And uh, <clears throat> as we went around, the guy, the normal question is, do you play a lot of these mixed opens? We said, no, well, not really, because, you see, they're mostly on a Sunday, and we're born-again believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. So, you know, within a, we're busy in church on Sunday, and maybe family come around and whatever. And the man said, oh, I see, right, okay. So he never really said much after that. It was a real conversation ender, was it? So we thought. But when I get back into the clubhouse, you know, the man was sat down, had a soft drink, and was sitting speaking. And he said, you said you were a born-again believer. You know, I've wondered what that really is. Well, enter stage, Ron. <laughs> Lord's reeling him in, I thought. So I was able to give, you know, account of what happened in my life, how I got saved, why I was telling him this. And I said, I'm sit there, I've got something for you. So I ran out of the car, got a good old Gideon Testament, nay, one in my pocket. What a failure. They're in the car. It's okay. Don't go away. So when I came back, he was there, you know, and I sat and opened God's word to him and I showed him John 3:16, and I explained a few things to him. And I says to him, you know, this excites me. He says, I can see that. He says, I'm a skeptic, you see. I says, well, don't worry about that. Just because you haven't found Jesus yet. You know, the great thing was, I was greatly encouraged because the man said to me, he said, you have aroused my you know, suspicions. You've aroused my interest in God's word. So I wrote in my address, my phone number, and I wrote in to read John 3 and verse 16. And he went away clutching this testament. This was the skeptic. His name was Tommy. Will you pray for Tommy? Even through the rest of this service, pray for Tommy, because tonight 
Maybe Tom is sitting in a church somewhere. Maybe he's sitting at home. But God, through his Holy Spirit, can speak to people. You know, even our loved ones. We're praying for them coming up in the car. Where are they tonight? We've all got family, friends who are outside of Christ. And they all need to know the Savior. And God can use just a simple word to speak to them, to turn their lives about. No, there is a time to speak and a time to be silent, but I do believe, as I said already, the devil wants us to remain silent because when that happens, he needs to do nothing but watch, look on at all the missed opportunities as he rubs his hands together because we are doing his work for him. You know, Jesus tells us in verse 35, if we move on there, we never read this, but in verse 35 of the passage it was read, Jesus tells us, lift up your eyes and look. Sometimes you feel that people's eyes are painted on. You want them to see things, but they can't see it. They cannot see the things you want them to see, but you know the fields are white unto harvest. Verse 35 says, There say ye not there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, Lift up your eyes and look in the fields, for they are white already unto harvest. You know, the law of the harvest is what you sow, that you will reap. A harvest of precious souls is ready right now, ready to be brought in. There is a harvest around each one of us, each day that we live. There are men, women, children who are headed for a lost eternity without Christ. The question is, do we have compassion on lost souls? You know, David, David Livingston qualified as a medical doctor. Shortly after, he listened to a sermon preached by Dr. Robert Moffat, who said, quote, I have sometimes seen the smoke of a thousand villages where the gospel has never been told. David Livingston decided right there and then he wanted to go with the gospel where no missionary had ever gone before, to Africa, the dark continent, as it was called then. You know, he spent 30 years in the harvest fields in Africa, he married Mary Moffat, the daughter of Dr. Moffat, and they had a child who died out there. And later his wife Mary also died. So he knew his troubles. He was also mauled by a lion, but he carried on regardless. He later said, it was no sacrifice, but a great privilege to have been there. It took eight months to get his remains home to Scotland for burial. You know, harvests can rot away in the fields if they're not reaped in time because there are not enough laborers. There is a harvest awaiting. Will you, will I, go into the harvest field this coming week, even tonight, to win souls for the kingdom of God? You know, people have many ideas about the end of the age. The harvest is the end of the age. This age will come to an end. Many people's ideas 
are that there will be a global pandemic or plague that will wipe out all of society. Some speak of a nuclear explosion that will destroy the world. But they are all wrong because it will be the glorious return of the Lord Jesus Christ as prophesied in God's word that will hasten the end of this scene of time that will bring this age to an end. And at that time, all the prophecies in the Scriptures will be fulfilled. I know this is a short word tonight, but it's the word the Lord has given for me to pass out. To Him be all the praise and be all the glory. We will go straight into the communion service.